So if you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn to uh, Luke chapter 20. So this morning we're taking the theme of Christ being our cornerstone. And we're looking, continuing in Luke, uh, in a series that we've been looking at as a church for uh, 18 months or so now, looking at following Jesus. Uh, how great to, fin- uh, to, to set the morning with Jesus being the center of it all. Great, great song, not just a great song, but a great declaration of truth. Jesus being the very center of our hearts and lives, founding our lives. And so we're going to look at that in a bit more detail, a little more detail um, this morning together. So Luke chapter 20 and verse, uh, verse 9, just to get a little bit of context. It's called the parable of the tenants. He went on to tell them a parable, this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it out to some farmers and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would um, give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. He sent a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps um, they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them. He's probably looking particularly at the Sadducees, Pharisees, scribes, and the religious people of the day. He looked intently at them. Um, Jesus looked directly at them and asked, then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone, uh, anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. So the person that falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. But if the stone falls on you, you will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he... Um, had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. So this is a story. So in this, in this account, the whole of chapter 20 in Luke's um, account of the life of Jesus, and that's the, the account that we're looking at as a church, and we're looking at following Jesus. The whole of Luke 20 is really um, a number of, us, of, of stories that Luke brings together on where Jesus is being challenged. His authority is being challenged. By what authority do you teach these things? We read in, in I think, verse, verse 2 of chapter 20, ver- earlier on, it, the, the people of the day were saying, which authority, whose authority do you teach these things? So nearly all of Luke 20 is all about Jesus showing them by which authority. He comes in the authority of God because he's the son of God. And, of course, they're getting angrier and angrier and angrier with him. Because he's claiming then to be the son of God. So this is a, a, a chapter about him really sharing his authority and who, who he is and, and, and uh, 
who, who he is really. And so Jesus' authority is being questioned. And so in the midst of that, he shares a number of stories. And we're not going to look at all those stories, but something that he sort of he home, homes in on. He speaks metaphorically of a stone, a stone that is rejected that becomes the cornerstone. And in the minds of the people of the day, they would have been, this is coming up to Passover. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's just come from the temple. He's turned the temple upside down as he's cleansed it. And he starts speaking. He brings all of this opposition that's against him and claiming and charging him by whose authority. And he, he, he brings it to like a, a single point, as it were, when he starts to use a metaphor of a stone that's been now rejected is the cornerstone. And... Um, in the minds of the people, they understand this to be uh, a, a psalm. I think it's from Psalm 118, which is used at the Passover, which is speaking of like the, the Messiah, the one, the chosen one. And they're getting angry and angry at the religious people because Jesus is now beginning to claim to be the chosen one. And also in their minds is this understanding of the cornerstone at the Jerusalem temple. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment or two, but it would have been a huge thing that the whole temple was founded on. The Wailing Wall to this day is the foundation stones. If you look at the Wailing Wall, if you see anything on TV about you know, the Jews when they go to the Wailing Wall and they're praying at the wall, they're the foundation stones. That's not the temple. That's what the temple would have been on. This, the temple was a huge, huge edifice, a massive thing. And Jesus was claiming to be the very foundation, the cornerstone of the, the house of God, the, very, the foundation of all, the Son of God. And um, he brings it all to the fore and said, this is my authority. You're rejecting me, the Son of God. You're rejecting me, the Messiah. You even know this is from Psalm 118. You're going to be saying it again and again at every Passover, and yet you're rejecting me. This is prophetically, this is, this is in prophecy, you will reject me. And he shares this understanding of him being the very cornerstone. Now, it's interesting. His authority is that he is the cornerstone. He's the stone, the rock. Uh, Moses struck a rock and it gave water in the desert. And the the picture is that God is the giver of life. And so this idea of a rock is very much in uh, ancient Jewish history. They understand it's been the giver of life. God, the giver of life. Um, Interesting commandments are written on stone. Now they're written on our hearts. Written on the rock, as it were, but now they're written on our hearts. And uh, so they understand this idea of the the rock, the stone. It was in Jewish tradition of of not just being the the cornerstone of the temple, but being the, the foundation of God himself. And it's interesting because in, um, later on in Ephesians 2, many, many years later, Paul will look back upon this and he writes in Ephesians 2 at Jesus being the very cornerstone of the church and how we will be built, we will be built up. It says in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, Paul writes these words, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, built but um, fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Jerusalem temple is no more. Now the temple is Jews, Gentiles, all together being built into a living, holy temple. We are the building blocks of that, and Jesus is the cornerstone of that. We'll look at that in a moment or two. And so there's this understanding that Jesus shares then of his authority being in the fact that he is the cornerstone. So three things that we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at this idea of the cornerstone. We're going to look at the idea of um, that we can be broken. If we fall on the stone, we can be broken And then thirdly, but if the stone falls on you and I, it will mean that we will be crushed. So I'm going to look at those three things and then look at how that relates to our 
our lives together in the backdrop of the story. Something that was 2,000 years ago, Jesus sharing then, is just as relevant today. Okay then, so let's look, first of all, this idea of a cornerstone. A cornerstone, um, the cornerstone there is... um, vitally important in ancient architecture. Today, with modern building techniques, it's not as important. There are different ways, but it's very interesting. And so when Jesus speaks about him being the cornerstone and we being this temple, and Paul then says that we are now the temple, this is really interesting uh, because it says that uh, Jesus is taking this idea from the... the, um, the Jerusalem temple as well, where there was a, a stone that was something uh, of about um, 12 meters. The Jerusalem cornerstone was 12 meters in length. You'll see in the diagram there, a cornerstone. That's just a diagram, just to give an idea. But the cornerstone was exactly what it was. It's a, a foundational stone, a large foundational stone that um, joined the, the corners of the building together. The, that building together, that the building was kept stable, upright, and aligned. And it was a fundamental um, stone that brought the stability. Everything was going to be upon that. Rest, the whole, the whole fabric of the building would be resting on the foundations and those part of the foundations. So it was this essential part of the foundation. Helps to hold the building steady and sets and keeps it in line. So you can see there the, the diagram of the cornerstone that's come up on screen. It holds the whole building. It's a foundational stone, but it joins the whole building together. It's a joining point. Now, Jesus is the joining point for Jews and Gentiles. We're now one. This is an amazing story in Christ. All joined together. We're one body, one building. And the temple now is a living temple. That's you and I. And so the cornerstone is vitally important. Holds the fabric of life and aligns life. And so Paul um, says, in, I read, just read to you, in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. I'll read it again. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers built but fellow citizens with God's people. That's you and I. We're now all one. We are members of the household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus, the chief cornerstone there, as you can see it, in whom the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So, any building would have had its cornerstone. Today, with modern techniques, it's become more ornamental. You'll notice the cornerstone has the name, the founding, the day, and everybody comes and opens the day, and there's a big hurrah, and the banners come out. It's a bit more um, uh, as a piece of architecture, but in, in ancient architecture, fundamental. And it's really interesting that Jesus refers now to himself as the cornerstone. He's fulfilling the, this aspect. So our very foundation, what's corner, cornerstone? So we sung that song, Christ alone. Uh, Hillsong, come out of Hillsong, it's cornerstone. We sang this morning, Jesus being at the center of it all. Interesting, this isn't just in architecture, but for life. The, to build our lives, to build your life, a corner, the cornerstone is so important. So Christ, the cornerstone, is the point of the foundation for your life and my life. Why? Because my life can rest on something solid and secure. His name is Jesus Christ. Everything else. Now, Jesus tells another story in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 28. It's a story, a parable of a man who built his home upon a rock. The rock. And when the winds came and the storms came, it says, and it buffeted the house, the house stood. But then it said, another man built his house on sand. And when the winds and the storm came, the house, you know the story, fell down. 
And Jesus said, the rock is my teaching. If you obey and hear, if you hear me and obey my teaching, you'll be like the man who built his house on the rock, the rock being Christ. And so this understanding in the New Testament that Jesus is the rock, the cornerstone of life. In other words, he's foundational for our lives. If you want a good life, a healthy life, a strong life, you don't want your life to fall apart. And look, storms will come. Jesus actually said there will be trouble in this world. But rest assured, I have overcome the world. And so there is trouble. There will be storms in life. And bad things can happen to good people. But hey, you'll feel like sometimes your life is unraveling. The bottom of your world falls out, as it were, in marriage or home or work or even our health. But if we found our lives on the cornerstone, in other words, we rest secure. You're sitting on a chair at this moment in time and you are resting Secure on that chair. On Christ the cornerstone, we give him our whole lives, resting. He said, like on a rock, so when we're buffeted, we will stand. It's so important to be on the cornerstone. And so Jesus said, if you hear my words, obey them in Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. How about that? Because it had its foundation on the rock, cornerstone of Christ. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, hear this, but Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the wind blew against the house, and it fell with a, and then it says in the NIV, a great crash. He emphasizes something there, a great crash. Talk about the great crash of 2008. We talk about a great crash of finances. If we build our life on the rock, so we're called to, Hear, obey, and live for Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone. And so, there's something about him as a foundation. So we're called to make him our foundation. Make him at the center of it all. Make him truly the foundation of our lives. In other words, we hear his teaching and we also obey it. So important that we hear his teaching and that we obey it. But not only is it foundational, it will add us a rock and we won't fall apart. But look at this. Do you notice that the cornerstone also brought all the other stones into alignment. There's something about lining up our hearts and lives with the will of God. Purpose. Having a purpose, direction in life. I know so many people that start off loving God, they exchange the foundation for something else, like another pastime or another thing or or another person, or their job, or whatever it is. And it's not wrong to have things. We talk about things, job, another person. We're we built this world designed to things in life. But when those things take place of the cornerstone, when those things take place of the cornerstone, if you take the cornerstone out, what happens? Everything comes and falls down around us. And so many Christians will say, why is my life falling apart now? Also, the cornerstone is the thing that every stone lines up with that stone. It's like a datum point. And so your life has purpose, has direction. It won't stray. We won't stray. It's so important. Making Jesus the center of life. 
Don't make your pastor the center of your life. Don't make the God channel the center of your life. Don't make a certain teaching the center of your life. Don't make another person the center of your life. Or you'll listen to these things. You'll follow these things. But follow Jesus Christ. Make Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and the pages of the New Testament the very center of our lives. Even our governments will profess and say certain things that we now have to do. But if it doesn't line up with the cornerstone, we can't do them. Even our government, even our governments and good governments will say and do things and say, this is now the law. And there'll be certain things that will come in our laws if it doesn't line up with the cornerstone. We've got to line up our hearts with the cornerstone. So if you found your life on the cornerstone, an amazing thing happens. You begin to line up with the cornerstone. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to try hard and work at it and be better and beat yourself up. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, if you submit, repent, and believe, and give your life and trust in him, and found your life upon him, and then believe in him, and obey what he says, then an amazing thing happens. Your life begins to line up, and you'll find direction and purpose in him. I've met so many Christians that have gone off beam. Most of the cults of this world, things like Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, is because they weren't founded on Christ the cornerstone, but they had an idea that was religious and pretty good. And eventually, what only was a little bit out of alignment was well out of alignment. If you build a building that's slightly out of alignment, what happens? You have a wobbly building. At best, it falls down. At worst, you'll have a wobbly life. Be wonky. At best, and at worst, it will fall apart. And so we're called. So it's so important. It's so good for us to be founded on the cornerstone. So Hillsong have got a great song out, Christ Alone, Cornerstone. Fantastic. I remember, I think about what Jesus, who Jesus is to me. Jesus at the center of it all. That's exactly what we're professing. He being the very center, cornerstone, alignment of my life. Obey, hear, obey, and live the teaching of Christ. You'll get that from the pages of the New Testament. Read the New Testament. If you don't want to listen to me or hear from me, read it for yourself. Go and read it for yourself. That's the privilege that we all have, cornerstone of Christ. Second thing that I want to emphasize, moving on quickly. He said there, so he says, if you fall on the stone, you will be broken. So there's this idea of him being the cornerstone, and we want him to be the center of our lives. Then he says this, he says in verse 17 of chapter 20, all of those that fall on the stone will be broken. And when the stone falls on them, they will be crushed. I'm putting it in my words. (laughs) Interesting. The stone is a cornerstone, but the stone can also be a place where we trip up. You know, in life, when we trip, and so the picture there is tripping up on the stone and falling on it and being broken. And then the other picture is the stone coming coming upon us and being crushed. And so there's the picture there of this broken. I want to just speak about being broken. You know, when we talk about brokenness, we think initially, rather, that that is a negative statement. But in the pages of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, in actual fact, brokenness in respect to God and the believer is, can be a good thing. Not always, but can be a good thing because brokenness speaks of repentance and humility. You know, when we trip up, we trip in life. And we can trip over. And we fall sometimes flat on our face or we hurt ourselves. You know, in life we make mistakes. A politician will say, it was a, a misdemeanor. They, they, you know, <laughs> it's couched in, in words that, that allow you to fall comfortably, isn't it? But um, 
you know, when we sin, when something goes wrong in life, when we do something against the, the, the rule of God, the heart of God, the teaching of God, the love of God, uh, we trip up in life. And Jesus says, when you trip, you'll be broken. You know, and so when we trip in life, you know, when things go wrong, we, we, you know, things can crack. We crack, you know. A bit like Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall when he fell off, he cracked. And when we fall, we crack. Human beings can crack. And uh, it hurts. And so marriage, life, home, you know, uh, my attitudes, uh, habits, you know, addictions, all sorts of things can go in our lives. And we can, we can fall and we can crack and we can break. But also in, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, there's something about being repentant and broken. And so there is a way back. So not all brokenness is necessarily bad. If, <laughs> if. In Psalm 51, verse 17, we read, uh, this is interesting on the, the theme of brokenness. Um, in Psalm 50, uh, 51, verse 17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. It's in the NIV. A broken and contrite heart you, O God, will not despise. Isn't that interesting? A broken and contrite heart says you will not despise. What does that mean? So well, not all brokenness is bad. Jesus is speaking of, of you falling on him. If you fall on him, contrite heart. Coming to the New Testament, just briefly, in James chapter 4, verse 10, we read these words. James 4, verse 10. I've made notes of them, so they're up on screen. But James 4, verse 10 reads, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. How beautiful is that? How amazing is that? I read one from the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. They both dovetail together. They're both talking about the same thing, meaning the same thing. The old and new being all part of the revealed word of God. Humble yourself. In other words, this. When we come with, with a repentant heart, when we break, oh God, forgive. When King David sinned with Bathsheba and he committed, uh, he went on and took another man's wife and then he ended up killing another man. He got to a point where he asked God to forgive him. He broke. And with a contrite heart come before, came before God and asked forgiveness. And God is a great God. You know, no matter what we do in life, you might think you've been a bad person, a dirty person, you've done all sorts. There is always a way back to God if we come and truly humble ourselves and repent and ask forgiveness and call upon the name of Jesus Christ because he's a great and merciful God. And this is the picture here. So he's the cornerstone. He wants us to build our lives on him and a foundation and lines us up and gives us purpose so that we keep a, a life that's on track and on keeping on God where God's taking us and living purpose for God. But also he's a stone whereby we can come and be renewed and healed. Sharpened afresh, as it were. But he wants us to come and repent, to humble ourselves, to break. Better to fall on the stone rather than the stone fall on you. Why? Because if you fall on the stone, you break. But if the stone falls on you, it says you are, and that's the third thing I want to speak about, it says you will be crushed. Better to fall on the stone rather than the stone fall upon you. Because thirdly and finally... So it be to be broken, but he says, you will be crushed. Now, he was speaking to the religious people who rejected him on the day. <clears throat> he was speaking to really hard-hearted people. Because it sounds really awful, doesn't it? Crushed? God crushes? Come on. He's going to wrap us up in cotton wool, and he's lovely and fluffy. He loves us. Of course God loves us. And he does wrap his arms around us and lift us. And... Um, in the Song of Solomon, it says he smothers us with kisses. So God is a God of immense and incredible love. 
But it says there, for those that harden their hearts, in other words, to harden their hearts, is the idea is of unbelief, hard heart, religious, disobeying God, going our own way, turning our back, religiously, hard-heartedly, unbelief, knowing and hearing and giving an opportunity to hear and to know, but turning and saying no and going against God. It says then he comes and he will crush. There's, there's, the judgment comes. There is a time of judgment coming upon the nations, a time of great reward and great release, and also great judgment comes upon the nations. It's throughout the scriptures. In the book of Hebrews, we read something very interesting. Uh, Paul, the writer of Hebrews, and uh, I, I've noted it there, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. Let me read it to you. But just to look at this idea of, uh, of unbelief and hard-heartedness. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, Paul speaking about how Jesus is greater. He's the great high priest. He's the great prophet. He's greater than Moses. He's greater. The new covenant is greater than the old covenant. It's an amazing book. And in chapter 3, this is what he reads. This is what it says. And this is about hard heart and unbelief. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house. That's me and you. We're the temple. We're the house of God. We're the people of God. This is idea coming again and again. Living stones as well, and he being the chief cornerstone. If indeed, verse 6, we hold firmly to our confidence and hope in which we glory. Holding firmly to our confidence and belief and trust in Jesus Christ. In other words, the cornerstone. Verse 7, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did, they, um, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my way. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a... So he's speaking to Christians now. Now speaking to Christians, okay. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is. In other words, he's saying, don't have a hard heart. Don't turn in unbelief. Don't turn away in unbelief. Don't take yourself out of alignment with the cornerstone. It's a dangerous thing to come into the judging hands of God. It says the stone comes and it crushes. And so there, there's this understanding of a hard heart. Do you know what? Some of the most biggest church arguments come out of hard hearts. Good people and good intentions, but hard hearts. Hard to the Holy Spirit. Hard to the, the, the convicting power of God. That's how dangerous it is to harden our hearts and not to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Not to give and take, not to, not to even allow God or Jesus to speak into our lives. We can even be religious and harden our hearts. We can be religious Pentecostals, religious Anglicans, religious Baptists, religious Roman Catholics. No matter what denomination we want to be in, we could harden our hearts in religion. How dangerous it is. And so he says, come, make Christ cornerstone. 
Line up our hearts with the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. Give our whole lives as a foundation. Build only on him and give ourselves to him. If we do trip up and things go wrong in our lives, with an open, humble heart, repent, confess, realign your heart, come back in line as it were. Realign your heart with God right now. Break, let him's heart beat, open up your heart right now. Whatever we do, please, please, please don't let your heart, my heart, be hardened in any way. But by the water of the Spirit, keep open to God. Let's pray together. So you may be here this morning. And uh, let's just pray. If you're like me, you trip up. If you're like me, you trip up. So I want to say this morning, if you feel that at times you've tripped up, or you're tripping up, or you've made a mistake then as we just pray together, I don't know what what you're experiencing right now, but uh, in an auditorium of this size, there's going to be someone somewhere that feels, I've either blown it with God, or that's not right, or you feel convicted right now that there's something you need to put right with God. If that's you, then in your heart right now, allow yourself to break on the stone. In other words, humble your heart. Heavenly Father, this morning we humble our hearts before you. We say, Father God, how good you are. Jesus, you love me so much. You so love the world that you give your life for us. Your arms are open and open wide right now. And so we humble our hearts and we open our hearts and we say, we're sorry, Lord. Forgive us. We repent for anything we've said or done or are doing right now that's taking me out of alignment with your will and your way. If I'm doing anything, if I'm saying anything, if I'm thinking anything, if I have an attitude about anything, if I have habits or certain practices or life, if I'm in a relationship that is or I have done or I am doing, right now, Lord, I say, forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Holy Spirit. I open my heart to you and allow it to just break and I open to you and I say, I want to humble my heart before you. I want want your forgiveness. Forgive me. 1 John 1, 9 but says, you know, God is good and just. And if we will humble ourselves, he, he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how good he is. And he hears your prayer right now. If that's you, then I pray right now, Father God, you begin to renew, restore hearts. That they, uh, that person or that couple or that individual, that young person, that older person might begin to feel right now aligned or will begin to come back. Their Christian walk begins to come back in alignment with you. We want to make you, Lord Jesus, the very foundation and fabric of our lives. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts to you this morning and pray that you will be, second thing now is that you will be my cornerstone, my foundation. I confess you as my master, my Lord Jesus. I want you and everything that you stand for to be my life. I pray, Lord God, the way in which you say, what you say is the right way. I pray your teaching, your word. Give me power, unction, understanding of your word. May your word, the Bible, jump out fresh to me, Jesus. May the pages of the New Testament just jump out and tug my heart. Shout, call me, Holy Spirit. It says, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Would you speak to me now, Holy Spirit, that I might make Jesus my cornerstone. Thank you, Lord, that you are our cornerstone. Those of us that love you, that trust you right now, and we want to rest on you alone. Now, finally, the problem with a hardened heart is you don't know it, and I don't realize it sometimes. The ground can become so hard after a time of drought, the rain, as it were, can't go through the ground. It just runs off, 
And sometimes with the Holy Spirit, if my heart is hard, I know with my own heart when it's been like this, if I've become upset or angry or I don't like something, the Bible says it's having your conscience sealed with a hot iron. The idea is being cauterized, tough, and sometimes upset, discord. If I feel hard done by, my heart can become hard and I don't realize it. I can still read my Bible. I can still go to church. I can still sit amongst Christians. But something doesn't seem to get below the surface, as it were, to the very depth of my spirit. And we pray this morning, Father God, from my heart, don't want to harden it as they did in the wilderness and in the rebellion. But we open up our hearts to you right now. And if it's healing, Lord, would you heal any circumstance, anything with individuals? If there's any pain, anything's been said and done, we want to forgive. We release right now anyone, anything. We release church. We release leaders that maybe we've perceived to hurt us. We release churches that we feel that have hurt us. We say, forgive, Father. We forgive a husband or a wife right now. We just want to release and forgive anything that we feel hard done by. We, f- we feel upset by something, a circumstance. We just release and forgive right now. That means that you judge, Lord, not me be the judge. Jesus, I just open up my heart right now that you would soften my heart. Soften my heart, I pray. Soften my heart, Lord Jesus. By your spirit, we pray. In your wonderful name we ask. Amen.